Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from Lead Pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. Finger, and uh, I want to talk to you just a minute about uh, our 40 Days of Prayer, which is going to kick off next Sunday, October 4th. Now, a lot of people are already in groups, and you're already signed up, and you're ready to go for 40 Days of Prayer. But for those of you who are not, We really want you to be a part of this. We want the whole church to be a part of the 40 Days of Prayer. So if you'll go to our website, there are several virtual groups and in-person groups that are meeting there, some that are open to everyone and some that are men's groups and ladies' groups. So we really encourage you to be a part of this study. You know, in our, our own church family and in our nation, we really need prayer at this time. So please be a part of this and join us. And join us now as we worship together. Good morning, everyone. Would you stand and worship with us?
as we continue to worship together this morning, this next song is a declaration of what we believe. It's a declaration that unifies us as a body of believers in Christ. And so as we sing this out together this morning, just declare this with all the confidence that you have, that we know that what we believe is true.
now. Um, please join me in prayer. Father, we're so honored to be able to come into your presence. We thank you, Father, that your love is so deep, so wide to accept us. Lord, we come to you, we bow, we seek your forgiveness of our sins, Lord. Lord, we seek your strength, we seek your guidance on how we can live a better life for you. Lord, we know we are stewards of everything you have given us, our resources, our time, our talents. Everything we have, Father, is a gift from you, and we want to return this to you as service to you. We want to use every minute of our life in a way that would honor you. We pray for your guidance, Lord. Lord, we pray for your people as we go through these hard times, Father. We pray for your guidance and blessing. We thank you that no matter what happens in this world, you are God and you are in charge. We ask that you give Brother Joe your words to speak to us today. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Terry. And uh, Gabby and team, thank you. There's Gabby. Thank you all so much. Um, Gabby, some of you know that Gabby is uh, fairly new on her staff. Today was what we call trial by fire. Um, Kyler uh, got a virus, not COVID, um, but uh, he has been struggling all week, and he's finally, I think, on the better side of this, so continue to pray for Kyler. Um, he's doing, uh, doing some better. Um, there are uh, days that uh, are harder than others. Um, And sometimes, uh, and I always hate to do this to you like this, um, but uh, and many of you already know, some of you may not, and I hate to deliver bad news this way. Thank you. <laughs> um, but our, our dear brother, uh, Jimmy Sanders, uh, went to be with the Lord last night at Dom. For those of you that don't know Jimmy, Jimmy is one of our elders. Um, Jimmy, uh, he serves our, he serves all over the place. Um, he serves in our preschool ministry. He serves in our college ministry. Uh, they lead uh, a, a home group. He's one of our deacon team leaders. Um, just a, uh, an unbelievable servant of God and uh, this is going to sound selfish, but I am sometimes. Um, Jimmy was also uh, kind of secretly, he didn't let people know it, um, but Jimmy was kind of like my pastor in lots of ways. And um, Jimmy was 
and I believe is, so I'm going to quit using the was business, um, because I believe that Jimmy is more alive than he's ever been. Uh, Jimmy believed that. Um, Jimmy uh, was lots of things, but one of the things that Jimmy was is Jimmy was a man of prayer. And Jimmy would call me randomly, most every week, but just kind of randomly, he would call me and, and what are you doing? How are you doing? And I'm going to pray for you whether you like it or not. That was, he would say that sometimes. Um, and I always liked it. Uh, and it was never the same. It wasn't like I was on his calendar or anything like that. He would just, he would just call me and pray for me. And, uh, and I thank God for someone that has that kind of sensitive spirit. Uh, many of you know that Jimmy uh, served as a pastor. He pastored several churches before um, he found what he calls his sweet spot. Uh, Jimmy was um, one of the greatest chaplains, uh, hospice chaplains I've ever known. Now, you know, some people may say, well, it's just because he was your friend. Okay, whatever. Um, but he truly loved walking with people, trying to lead them into the kingdom of God in their latter days. And he got to do that with lots of people. And, um, and he would share those stories with me. And I'm, I'm all the richer because of his ministry and because of that. Now, uh, I would probably have handed the ball off today to somebody else if it wasn't for the topic that we're addressing, and if it wasn't for the, the knowledge that I have, the personal knowledge that I had of how um, excited and hopeful Jimmy was for this series that we're going to step into next week. Uh, as we take a journey together as God's people in prayer. Jimmy, Jimmy was excited about that he believed that the, God had set this up for us in this time, in this season. And so I want to press on. Now, those of you that have hung out here for some season know that we've done these kind of journeys before where we try to engage lots of things. We've done 40 days of purpose and we've done 40 days of community. We didn't call it 40 days of experiencing God, but that's about what it was. We did kind of another gospel in life. We, we've done these uh, journeys, these intense journeys, campaigns, whatever you want to call them. We didn't call all of them 40 days of something, but almost always they involved a six to seven week journey and used the same components that we're going to once uh, again use. Now, some people say, why do, why do you do this? Why, why are there times when you kind of step into something like this? And I want you to hear me say this. It's because it's part of our strategy to make disciple-making disciples. That's why we, we do that, because a deep part of our strategy is spiritual growth, to help the people of God be fortified in their own faith journey. And so we're, we're going to step into this one uh, because we, we, we believe people need it. See, spiritual growth is so important. Now, some people say, why? Well, here's why. Because most of the problems that people have in their lives, Christians especially, come from being spiritually immature. 
There, there, there are some outside forces that we can't control, but there are a lot of things that go on that we cause ourselves. Well, that's one reason. The other reason is because the Bible tells us that it's God's will for us to grow. If you've got your Bibles, I'm going to start in Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. I hope you have your Bibles with you. Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to start reading in verse 11 and, uh, and then proceed from there. Ephesians 4, verse 11. And he, speaking of the Holy Spirit here, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And he, he, he just gave you a list of all these things that God has given us. Here's why. For the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. And then it gives a definition of what that maturity looks like. It says, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So spiritual maturity, basically, according to Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, spiritual maturity equals looking like Jesus. Verse 14, God did this so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, so that we, we don't have that, so that we don't live that way. And, and folks, if there's ever a time in our world where we need not to get carried away, there are so many churches, there are so many Christians that are being carried away, swept away by what's going on in our world today, pulled out of their faith because of politics and fighting and backbiting, all, all of those kind of things. And God said he's, he's given that for, for our growth. Verse 15, Rather, this is the, the opposite, this is God's plan. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, unto Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint, which it is equipped when each part is working properly, making the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, I hope you picked up there that one of the, the significant themes that Paul is trying to move forward, move up the field, is that God's plan is that we grow spiritually. That as the, as the people of God, we would, we would not remain the same. Now, for those of you that are unaware of this, fact, Kathy and I have three really cute grandkids. Did I mention they were cute? Really cute grandkids. And babies are cute. Kid, kids are cute. But you know what wouldn't be cute? Is if a child never grew up. It would be tragic, in fact. As cute as my grandkids are, if they don't grow up, it would be a, 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 great, a great tragedy. You, you know it is possible to grow old and not grow up. I don't know if you've ever met someone who chronologically is way up there, but spiritually and emotionally, very immature. You ever met anybody like that? You know, they, they just never grew up. See, God doesn't want us to stay as infants. 
He wants all of his people to be spiritually strong. He wants us to be men and women of God. And God's word just explicitly says that. We just read it, that we're meant to grow up to look like who? To look like Jesus. We got a target on the wall. We got, we got a goal. Because he is the perfect picture of, of maturity. He's the ultimate, ultimate picture of, of spiritual and emotional and physical and intellectual maturity. It's Jesus. To have the thoughts of Christ, to, to be able to respond in pressured situations like him, to live our lives like his would be better than the life we have on our own. And today, what I want us to specifically focus on as we're thinking about this idea of, of growing is growing in prayer. And so I want to ask you this question because we're, we're going to launch into this. And you have to make some decisions as to whether it's going to make a difference in your life. And so the big question is, do you really want to grow in prayer? Do you want to grow in in being able to hear God speak to your heart? Do you want to grow in in the knowledge of God personally and intimately? Do you want to grow in, in knowing how to pray for healing for yourself and people that you love? Do you want to grow in hearing God speak into your heart? Do you want to grow in prayer? And if you do, there are some things that you're going to have to engage to see that happen. And that's what I want us to to look at today. Before we launch next week, I I want us to think about what will it take for me to grow in prayer? And so what I want to do is I I really want to give us some tangible action plans that we can engage that flow out of kind of a need we have if we want to grow in prayer. So it's going to kind of be like six action plans, if you would. The first is this. We, We will grow in prayer only when we feed on the word of God. We're only going to grow in prayer when we feed on the word of God. Now, one of the things I hope that you have uh, kind of in your life is an understanding that the word of God is soul food. I don't know if you like soul food, but the word of God is soul food. It is, it is what, what feeds your soul. And you and I both know we can't be physically healthy is if all we ever did was 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 eat junk food you know the 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 same is true of our spiritual health you're going to be spiritually unhealthy unless you feed on the truths of god and you need to do it a little bit every day i mean what would your what would your life be like what would your health be like if what you did every sunday you went down to the golden corral and just loaded up, baby. Just pigged out, stuffed yourself because you knew you weren't going to eat again the rest of the week. And that that was your rhythm of life. You just, a lot of people live their Christian lives that way. They show up on Sunday mornings, they just try to shovel in as much as they can get in for that day, and then they, they take off. That will harm your spiritual growth, it will make you weak. If that's the way you think spiritual growth happens, that's not enough. You've got, to, you've got to feed on the word of God some every day. You've got to pray some every day. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus said this, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. God wants you to feed on that a little, a little bit every day. And so during our 40-day journey in prayer, 
We're going we're gonna to do some of that. We're going to spend a little bit of time in God's word every day that's going to help us focus on prayer. In Acts chapter 20, verse 32, Paul, he was leaving his friends in Ephesus. He didn't know whether he would see them again. He said this. He said, now I commend you to the care of God and to the message, the message of his grace. And it goes on to say, which is able to build you up and give you the blessings God has for all his people. Now, here, there's a question out of that that I hope you, you just kind of see. Would you like to have all the blessings that God has for you? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because if you didn't raise your hand when I, you know, and I said that, then the rest of us would look at you and think, there is something wrong with that dude. Okay, Because we, we all want all of the blessings of God. As your pastor, as your friend, I, I want for you all the blessings that God has ready for you. He, he has blessings ready for you. But how do we access those? Well, what we just read, the Bible says, is and the message of grace. You access the blessings of God through the message of grace. God's grace message is his word to you, the, the Bible. It's, the, it's, the, it's that that builds us up. So you won't, you won't receive all the blessings that God has for you apart from his word. Now, there are some gifts that I can't give to my grandson. Because if I gave him certain gifts right now, he would destroy them or it would destroy him. I, I couldn't give my, my four-year-old grandson a, a car because it would destroy him. He would probably destroy it. See, there are some gifts that God is waiting to give you, but he's got to wait till you grow up to, to receive those gifts. And God's word says it's going to happen out of his message of grace. So the more you get into this book, the more this message of grace will come. It will build you up so that you can receive all of the blessings that God has for you. So how do you do that? How do you, how do you get connected fully to his message of grace? Now, for some of you, this is going to be repeat stuff. Okay? I know that. Um, this is going to be very basic, especially if you ever went uh, through class 201 that I've taught here, you know, years ago, back in the 1800s, um, and uh, so just something very basic. But this is, in order for you to feed on God's word, you've got to figure out how to grasp it first. You know, you, you ever great, grabbed a, a great big juicy burger? Well, in order for you to feed on that bad boy, you've got to, you've got to grasp it correctly, if you don't grasp it correctly and you pick it up, you know, kind of half-heartedly, what happens? Everything falls out, you know? Usually on me, it falls on my shirt. Um, and so you got to know how to grasp it to, to feed well. So I just want to, real quickly, not in your notes, you're going to have to write this down if you want them. And maybe you want to write them on your hand because I'm going to use your hand. Okay? So I want to, look at your hand. Just look at your hand. Okay, And I want you to look for a moment at your pinky, and I want you to imagine writing the word here on your pinky. You need to hear God's word regularly, okay? On, on middleman, no, excuse me, ringman, that's what's next to my pinky is ringman. I want you to, to mentally write the word read. 
because you need to read God's word every day if you want to grasp it. On, on your middle finger, I want you to write the word study. Just, just look at that finger and think I'm, uh, the, the word study is there because you need to study God's word a little bit every day regularly. And then uh, on, on your pointer, I want you to write the word memorize. You need to memorize God's word. It needs to get into your heart and soul so that you can then on your thumb meditate. Meditate. Now, I know some of you said, Joe, you said you were going to give us six. I don't have six fingers. What are we going to do about that? Well, when you really grasp something, do you grab it like this? Or do you grab it like this? When I grab a burger to eat it seriously, I'm all up in that thing, baby. Okay? Because I want to feed on that thing. When you grasp God's word, the last thing that you need to imagine on your hand is the word do. You gotta do God's word. You gotta hear it. You gotta read it. You gotta study it. You gotta memorize it. You gotta meditate on it. And you gotta do it. Now, some of you are probably saying, now, Joe, that sounds really, really good. It's a cute little device. You know, where do you get your authority on that? Right here. Okay? And I wanna move you through these kind of quickly. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, the Bible says, so faith comes from what? How many of you need your faith strengthened in this season of life? How many of you want to trust God so that you don't fear anymore? The Bible says you have to hear the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So you need to regularly hear God's word in order to grasp it. Revelation chapter 1 verse 3 says this. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Some translations say this book. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it. And so you've got to regularly, according to Revelations 1, you've got to read God's word if you're going to grasp it. You've got to read all of God's word. Acts chapter 17 verse 11 says this. Uh, and the people of Berea. They listened eagerly, eagerly to Paul's message. So they were, they were hearing the word of God. And then it says they searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. Here's what happened. Paul and Silas would get up on a Sunday morning, actually a Saturday for them because they would go to synagogue, and they would, they would teach. They would teach. And what the Bereans did was they went home, they got their Bibles out, and they studied their Bibles to make sure what, what Paul and Silas were saying were true. The greatest compliment that you will ever pay anyone who is teaching God's Word is to walk up to them one day and say, hey, I want you to know I went home and I studied what you talked about. And you were, it's in there. It's in there. It's the greatest compliment you'll ever pay somebody who teaches God's word is that you, you were motivated to go back and search God's word. They were searching. They were digging the scriptures, it says, every day. You've got to regularly study God's word to grasp it. Proverbs chapter 7, verse uh, 1 through 3 says this, My son, keep my words. Treasure up my commandments with you. Write them on the tablets of your heart. You gotta memorize God's word. You gotta get it in your heart. It can't just be on the page. It can't just be in your head. You gotta get it down in here. Some of you have, have memorized this verse, Psalm 119.11. I'm gonna start it. If you can say it, say the rest of it with me. It's not in your notes. It's not gonna come up on the screen, okay? I know they probably just flashed something up there, but I tricked them. 
Sorry, my bad. Psalm 119.11 says this. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against God. Now, one of the benefits of scriptural memorization is this. It will help you when you're tempted to stand against that so that you don't sin against God. Now, baby, I don't know if you need help fighting back sin. I do. You gotta memorize God's word. Then there's this great, beautiful picture uh, in the scriptures, in, also in the book of Psalm, about meditating on God's word. It's, it's found in Psalm chapter one, verses one through three. It says this, blessed is the man who walks not, or walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Now, grab this word picture. This person that meditates on God's word day and night, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in seasons and it leaves does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. That's somebody who's meditating on the word of God. Now, if you're gonna ever get to a place where you can just meditate on the word of God, you're gonna have to hear it first. You're gonna have to read it some. You're gonna have to study it and you're gonna have to memorize it so that you can meditate regularly on the word of God day and night. And then Jesus' half-brother James wrote these words, inspired by the Holy Spirit. James chapter 1. But don't just listen to God's word. You must what? Do. Do what it says. You've got to apply what you're reading, what you're studying, what you're memorizing. Because if you do the other five things and don't do that, it's kind of like this. If, if the way that you want to get a grip on this is, is like that, I could snatch that from your hand real easy. That's why Satan snatches the word of God so often from people's hearts, from their lives. is because they don't do it. They don't get way down in there and do the, the word of God. And so we're going to look at, we're going we're gonna to hear God's word, we're going to read it, we're going to study it, we're going to memorize. I know some of you are saying, I can't memorize. You can. You can. You don't have to get it perfect. But we're going to work on memorizing, we're going to work on meditating, and we're going to work on doing God's word together as it relates to prayer for 40 days starting next week. And I'm praying that you're going to be a part of that. And so here's the plan of action. you got to daily spend some time in God's word. Every day, spend some time in God's word, and we're going to do that together as it relates to prayer. you got to, you got to, you got to grasp it. And then you got to deal with it. Now, one of the things, uh, one of the tools that you're going to need to help you through all of this is our, what I'm calling our 40-day our prayer map. This is a guide. And so if you're going to experience the whole journey, you're going to need to get one of these. Okay? Um, our church is providing them free of cost. If you want to help the church out a little bit and purchase yours, they were $13 is what it's costing us. But do not let $13 keep you from taking the full advantage of this journey. In here is going to be a place for you to take sermon notes. Uh, the small group study guide is in here. Uh, your daily walk through the scripture is in here. There's a prayer journal in here. There's prayer helps in here. This is, this is the best, I think, tool that we've ever had access to for one of these journeys.
It's just really an incredible tool, so you're going to want to want to get that. And we have those available at, at the church for pickup, and um, don't have them ready to give out today. But we'll do that next week. We'll talk more about that um, next week. Second pathway that I want us to look at is this: We'll grow in prayer when we learn different ways ways to pray. We will grow more in prayer as we learn different ways to pray. Now, when we grow. One of the things that happens is we will learn in different ways. Now, let let me explain this. God made all of us different. Everybody in here is unique. There's nobody in the world like you. Nobody has your thumbprint, your voice print, your your eye print, none, none of those things. All of those things are very, very unique. You have a unique heartbeat rhythm. That it it it's unique. You have a unique, lots of unique things about you. You have a unique learning style. Some people are never going to really grow in their faith until they experience other, other styles of learning. And the truth is, one of the best ways to grow in prayer is to learn other styles of prayer, other methods of prayer, other tools of prayer. We're going to do some of that. In Luke chapter 3, verse 18, it says this about John the Baptist. It says, so with many other exhortations, he preached the good news to the people. CEV translates it in many different ways, John preached the good news to people. And what that verse is saying to me is that John used different kind of communication devices because he he understood that people learn differently. He, He would preach in different ways at times. Because he understood that people learn differently. And so we're going, to, we're going to engage some different kinds of things. Now, some of you are auditory learners. If you're here today and you know that you're an auditory learner, raise your hand. Okay, we've got some people that the way they learn best is to sit and listen. And so sit and listen people, you know, really love doing this. Some of you don't really love doing this. Because you're not, you're not an auditory learner. You know, auditory learners, they hear it and they got it. And they're ready to roll on out. They're ready to get busy with what they've, they've just heard because that's the primary way that they kind of learn. Now, there's a problem with auditory learners if that's all they do is just listen. Uh, years ago, um, I think it was in the 70s, the uh, Air Force Academy did a study and they discovered that we forget 95% of what we hear in 72 hours. So here's what that means. Three days from now, if you're not doing something like writing some notes or something like that down, you will have forgotten 95% of what I've said today. That's depressing. You know, it's just depressing to know that that's a reality. So I hope you're doing other things to kind of engage in, in, in what we're doing. Some of you don't learn that way at all. Some of you are visual learners. How many of you are like me? When, when you know you got a little project you got to go do, got to change the light bulb in a car. How many of you go to YouTube first? Man, baby, I do. Somebody, let me see how to do this thing, and I can knock it out in a minute. Okay, if you give me one of those picture manuals, that's still visual learning, but I don't get it like I do if somebody's literally showing me, you know, here's, here's how to do that. And some of us are visual learners, so part of the way that we're going to learn is we're going to use video, okay? Rick Warren is going to come into your small group, and he's going to teach you six different sessions about learning how to pray. Then there there are some people that, you know, who say, I don't like to listen, you know, I I don't like to read, I, I I don't like to do that, but you love to talk. There are some people who don't know what they think till they say it out loud. 
You know? Now, there are some people who engage their mouth before they engage their mind. We've got to be careful of those people. Um, but some people don't know what they think till they start talking it out. And, and, and they're, they're, they're really, what they are is they're oral learners. They, it has to kind of pass out of their mouth before they can say, that's what I've been thinking. And so they, they, talk, they work best. They learn best in group life. And so I want to encourage you, as Dean did earlier, get in, in, involved in one of our groups, whether it's an online group, whether it's a, an in-person group, don't try to do this uh, on your own. Now, there are other people who don't like to listen, don't like to, to read, don't like to, to, to talk, you know, things out. You know what they're called? Men. Yeah. I know. That was bad. Bad pastor, bad pastor. That's an overgeneralization. But now listen to me. It's not because they're not learners. It's because their, their best style of learning is kinesthetic learning. They got to touch it. They got to put their, you can't just show them. You got, you got to give them the wrench. They got to get all up in there to really be able to learn it, to take it in. You know, they, they can master it that way. And there, it's not just men. There are some women that are like that too. But, but the truth is we all have these different styles of learning. And we're going to employ that in our 40-day journey of learning to grow in prayer because we're going to pray together. We're going to do it together. We're going to pray out loud in the presence of each other because we need to grow in, in all of these ways. And we, we, we need to use all of these learning styles in order to grow in prayer, in the grace of, uh, of prayer. Now, see, God, God knew that about us. In, in Job chapter 3, um, in, uh, Job chapter uh, 33, God says this. It says this about God. God speaks in different ways. And we don't always recognize his voice. Sometimes we don't recognize his voice because we haven't learned a new way to hear from God. We haven't kind of developed a new style of listening in prayer. And, and, and we need to do that. And here, I can prove it to you. If you've, if you've done the church scene for a while, you have probably come across some people who will say something like this. Well, I've been going to church for, since I was born. And sometimes there's some of the crabbiest, most gossipy, mean-spirited people you've ever met. Sons of Baptists, you know. They're just unbelievable that they, they could tell you that they're in church every time, every Sunday they're there. I listen to them sermons. I've been, you know, I teed on a pew. How can that happen? Because they don't engage fully with God. Because God speaks by various and different ways. And you and I have to be learned in how to receive all of what God wants to say to us. So here's the plan of action for this. The plan of action for this is simply this. It's going to come up, practice praying differently. I want to say practice engaging differently. Because it, it will involve praying differently, but it will also involve learning about prayer differently. So you can put praying and then the other word engaging. Okay? Differently. Third path. We'll grow in prayer when we make it a habit. When we make it a habit. 
See, one of the things that happens is we grow when we develop spiritual habits. And I, you, you could not overstate how important it is to develop good habits all across your life. You know, if, if, you, good, if you build good habits in your life, one of, the, one of the fruits of that is going to be a good character. You will be known for your good character. And if you have a good character, you're going to have a pretty good destiny, a, a good path for your life. Because your habits determine what you are and who you become in so many ways. Your character is the sum of, of your habits. <clears throat> you can't say that I'm faithful to my spouse if you're only faithful 27 days of a month. Can you? You can't say that you're a person of integrity if you only tell the truth 50% of the time. See, the, the, those habits make, make a difference. They, they really determine kind of the outcome of your life. Now, there's a lot of habits that we need to grow in to grow spiritually, dozens of them. Now, on, on this particular journey, we're going to focus on, on just a few. Now, remember, uh, Jesus said this in, in John chapter 13. Jesus said, if you know these things, blessed are you if you what? Do them. You can't just know these things. You can't just know about these habits. You've got to actually get in there and do them because you don't get God's blessing just from knowing the right thing to do. You gotta, you gotta dive in, you gotta practice it, you gotta engage it, you gotta make a difference. And the truth is, some, some people have asked, you know, why do, why do you kinda always do that 40 day thing? Well, here's why. Study after study after study will tell you this. It takes about six weeks for you to develop a new habit. It'll take you about, I don't know if you've ever noticed some job training things or kind of in a six-week cycle kind of thing, because it takes you about six weeks to learn to do something new. It takes you the first three weeks just kind of getting to know it, and the last three weeks for it to become a, a comfortable habit. It's one of the reasons why we try to focus. There are a lot, you go through the scriptures, you're going to find out there are a lot of times when 40 days are mentioned as well, because God, God knew this. We, we have to go through these focused cycles in order to get all of the good that God, God wants for us. Now, a lot of people start out trying to do this thing called praying because they, they know, know it's good. But here's, here's what happens along the way, a lot of them. A lot of them will you know, say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read my Bible and, and pray. And then you do it two days in a row. And you miss a day. And then you pick back up and you do it three days in a row. And then you miss four days. And then you pick it back up and you may get a week in, a whole week. And then you miss the next week. And you miss the next month. And then it's gone. You, you never hit that six-week window where every day for six weeks you have determined that you are going to spend a little bit of time with God, reading his word, and in prayer. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 14 says this, solid food is for the mature. Now listen, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by what? Constant practice. Here's what they're able to do after they practice this. They can distinguish good from evil. Now we, we talked about little kids, you know, babies, babies eat baby food. 
They, they can't digest a steak. They're, they're not mature enough. God's word says solid food is for the mature. And, and, and when you are mature, here's what happens. You'll, you'll gain powers of discernment. You'll be able to see what's going on around you. And you will be able to tell through constant practice. That's called a habit. That's what constant practice is. You'll be able to determine what's good and what's evil. It will help you make good decisions. That's one of the reasons so many Christians still battle so many problems in life is because we keep making the same dumb decisions because we can't distinguish between good and evil because we have not spent time with God. We don't have that habit, and so we we don't succeed very much. You know, the truth is, developing good habits can help you to succeed in all kinds of walks of life. How many of you know who the oldest currently on a roster playing in the NFL currently is? You know who it is? Inflategate. Tom Brady. He is, he's currently the oldest um, professional football player who's actually on a roster and, and currently playing. Tom Brady is 43 years old. He has guys on his team who are 22 and 23. Tom Brady was playing college football before those dudes were born. And he is still, I mean, he's not only endured, but he has endured at the top tier level. How did he do that? Well, if you ask his coach, his coach tells you it's because he would, he would develop habits that nobody else, nobody else that he coached would stick to. First thing he, he does when he gets up in the morning is he drinks 20 ounces of water. Sounds like a strange thing, but he hydrates. He does, and, and that's just one. There, there's like this running list of things this dude did to stay mentally sharp, physically sharp, conditioned, all these things that he did. These were habits in his life. This is not in your notes, so Cheryl, don't, don't worry about it. Look, I'm trying to find it. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, it says this, all good athletes train hard and practice to get better. They do it to win a prize that won't last. Tom can do everything he wants to. The prizes he's getting, Super Bowl, those aren't going to last. But we practice to win a prize that will last forever. My friend Jimmy Sanders built his life on that. He stepped into his prize. He stepped into eternity. Jimmy won. Jimmy developed these habits that helped him grow in God to become this incredible servant of God. That's who, who he was. And so you and I need this plan of action that here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray every day for 40 days. We're going to read a little bit of God's word. We're going to engage with God in prayer every day for 40 days so that it can become a habit. Now, some of you are saying, I, I had that habit once. It fell, fell off. Well, you can pick it back up. Okay, let's get it going again. Let's, let's, let's help one another in this habit. Call it a tune-up if you want to. Now, we're going we're gonna to continue doing this habit of gathering for worship, whether online or in person. We're, we're doing it right now. We're going we're gonna to engage the habit of fellowship through small group, again, virtually or in person. We're going to engage the habit of daily time with God, listening to God speak. 
We're going to engage the habit of connecting with Scripture, grasping Scripture. We're going to engage the habit of praying missionally. I've asked Dave Harden to, to bring one of our messages on prayer, on learning to pray missionally, to help us learn to, to serve and share the, the gospel out of our prayer life. And so Dave's going to be doing that uh, here in, in about four weeks. Those five habits, if you'll develop them, will transform your life. Just, just those five. And so this, this action that we need to, to, to take is, is to say, for 40 days, I'm engaging this. I'm devoted to this. I'm committing to this. We'll talk about that in a minute. Next thing we need to do, we'll, we'll grow in prayer when we help each other pray together. When we help each other pray together. You, you're never going to learn how to pray intercessorily for others if you're never connected to people so that you can hear their pain. You're never going to pray effectively, intercessorily, until you rub up against people who are hurting. Now, you could, you could get just the list. We can give you a list. But I'm promising you, until you rub up against hurting people, you will never learn how to pray passionately and intercessorily for others. See, we, we, we grow when we help each other grow in, in prayer. We grow spiritually when we help each other grow spiritually all over the place. Because we cannot be the people that God has envisioned for us to be by ourselves. We need, we need each other. God, God wired us this way. See, the, 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 the more you let other people into your life who are strong in the Lord, the more power you'll have in prayer. The more love that you'll, you'll grow in. The, the, the in, increase in your faith will come. Your capacity for hope for what happens when you face death like Pam is facing now, you can have hope in the face of that if you engage with others in prayer. And if you try to do this thing on your own, life's going to stomp on you. You got, you got to have people in your We grow better together. We pray better together. Romans chapter 1, Paul says this. I long to see you that we, we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Now, this was the great apostle Paul who walked, had this passionate, intimate, personal relationship with God saying, I need to get close to you. I need to be engaged with you so that I can grow spiritually. Paul, Paul knew that we were wired this way. Did you know that there are 56 commands in the Bible that you can't do apart from group life? You can't do it in a room like this. It just, it's not going to happen. 56 times the Bible uses this phrase, one another. Love one another. Pray for one another. Bless one another. Encourage one another. Over and over again, all these one another's. You will not fulfill the, the teachings of God for your life apart from being connected deeply with a few people. And see, this is one of the reasons our faith is so different than so many faiths in the world. See, a lot of faiths say that the most holy people are those who, you know, head up and live in a cave. You know, they, they just get away. Those are the most righteous people. They, they isolate themselves from all the, the dirt of humanity. When Jesus came, where did you find him mostly? 
right in there with people. Jesus says that kind of way of life, that's not holiness. Jesus was out there. You know, he wasn't hiding in a cave somewhere. He was in the marketplace. He was at parties. He was where people were. He was with hurting people, hanging out with people all the time. Because he was modeling what God has as his greatest desire for us, and that is we would learn to love him and each other more than anything else. Greatest command, that we would do those things. And you can't love others by yourself. You gotta get close to people. And, and you know, some of you probably have a reason you don't wanna be in a group. You know, you don't wanna be in a group Maybe because somebody might disagree with you. And your opinion is holy. You know? Or maybe somebody might just be irritable. They may rub me the wrong way. Well, if that's why you're not in a group, more than likely you're going to be that person anyway. So go ahead and get in a group. That's what you're afraid of. See, you need people in your life who think differently than you, who challenge your self-centeredness. We all, I gotta have that. People who challenge my, my thinking, who'll do it in, in love. In Hebrews chapter 10, the writer says this, let us consider how to stir up one another to loving good deeds. Uh, one translation, I think it's the, the, the Philip translation, says let us consider how to spur one another on. Every now and then, I need for somebody to kick me in the side, spur me on. We all need that. We need people in our life who, who, who will do that for us. So here's the action plan. Get in a group. I'm not asking you to commit to this for the rest of your life. I'm just asking you to get in a group to, walk, to take this journey together. Just get in, get in one of our groups, okay? You can go online to do that. Uh, Dean has already said he'll help you. Cindy Shirley will help you. I'll do my best to help you. Our staff, we we, we want to help you get in a group of real people with real life problems because when you get connected to people, people in pain, people who are hurting, people like you, you will learn to pray. You'll learn to pray together for one another because it's, it's going to be rooted in love. And some of you that are afraid about getting in a group because there may be somebody, best thing that maybe you could do, start a group yourself. Just start a group. Get some friends that you know. Not, they don't have to be a part of this church. Just get some friends that you know and say, hey, you know, I've been this pandemic and what's going on in our nation and just all the tension and turmoil. I've just been thinking, I, I want to I I learn to pray. I just feel like I need to connect with God. I want to learn to pray. And there's a study going on. And man, I'd, I'd like, to, why, don't you, you, why don't you come with me? And we'll do this together. You can start your own group. We'll help you. You can lead a 40 days of prayer group. It is not rocket science. Okay? Anybody can lead it. I promise you it's that simple. Anybody can. Like a five-minute tutorial, we can teach you how to do that. And uh, so if you want to start a group, let us know. We'll, we'll, we'll help you start a group. But if you're going to dive in in prayer, you're going to have to engage it together. Next way that we'll grow in prayer is when we expect to. I'm going to do this one really quickly. When we expect to. We grow in our lives when we expect to. And I call this the faith. This is just the faith factor. In Matthew chapter 9, God's word says this. Jesus said it. According to your faith... 
be it done to you. Over and over, we see in Jesus' life and ministry that he says that it's going to be done according to your faith. This blessing that you're needing is going to come based on where you're placing your faith. Who are you placing it in? Now, if you go into this 40-day journey expecting nothing or little to happen, guess what will happen? Nothing or little. That's what will come if you have no expectation. But if you step into this expecting God to do something in you, through you, maybe for you, God's go- you're going to get to see God do something. In Mark chapter 9, Jesus said this. He said, all things are possible for him who believes. He spoke that to a man who says, I don't have a lot of belief. I got a little belief, but I don't have a lot of belief. And Jesus said, all things are possible for even those who have just a little bit of belief. You don't have to have, be perfect at it. And so here's the plan of action for this one. You're going to have to trust God for your growth in prayer. You're just going to have to say, okay, I'm in. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to, 40 days, I'm in. I'm, I'm going to be focused on this for 40 days. You just, you trust in God and you'll get to see him begin to transform your prayer life. See, when you, when you look through scripture, every time you see God moving in a miraculous way and doing something in somebody's life, there's been this connection to faith. You don't have to have great faith. You just need a little faith, a little trust in a big God to see God do something incredible. You gotta trust him to grow in your prayer life. Here's the last thing. We'll grow in prayer when we commit to. When we just say, God, I'm expecting you, and I'm, I'm committing to it. See, growth, spiritual growth is not automatic. You've you got to put forth some effort. Now, some people think, ah, works, works, there's works, there's the works gospel. Friends, grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. God is not opposed to you putting forth some effort to grow closer to him. That's that's not what this is about. This is not a works-based faith. But if you want to move closer to God, God is waiting. In Jeremiah chapter 29, God said this. He said, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. Did you see what you had to do? You had to call you had to come, you had to pray, then God hears. He says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me what? Wholeheartedly, with your whole heart. See, when we say to God, God, I just got to grow. I want to grow. I'm, I, I want to grow in my faith. I'm, I'm sick and tired of being stuck. I hate being, you know, comp- constantly manipulated by my moods. I I hate being, you know, a people pleaser. I hate being stuck in this addiction. I hate hate the anxieties and the worries. God, I want to walk with you. I want to hear you speaking to me, God. I want to be that man or woman of God that we read about when we got started in the book of Ephesians. So what's the the plan of action here? You, You need to make a public a public commitment. Now, you don't have to do it here right now, but you need to make a public commitment of covenant with God. You need to write something down, 
You can do this later on in the day. You need to write something down saying, God, I am, I am making a covenant with you that I'm going to take this 40-day journey. Some of you know about the book of Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah, most people think, is about uh, rebuilding the, the, the walls of Jerusalem after they had been torn down, after they had been, the people had been decimated and destroyed. The book of Nehemiah is not about building walls. The book of Nehemiah is about rebuilding God's people. We get to the book of Nehemiah, and in chapter 9, verse 38, it says this, because of all of this, the, the, the whole nation, basically, the whole city of Jerusalem had gathered, and the people said this together, because of all of this, we make a firm covenant in writing on the sealed document are the names of our princes, our Levites, and our priests. So here's what happened. The people of God said, I'm signing on the dotted line. And our leaders are signing up too. And so here's, here's the question. And here's the challenge. Here's, here's what I will, will just once again say. Will you make a covenant with God? Will you put it in writing? And then will you show that to three people? Will, will you go public with your covenant? I'm going to do this. If you're already in a small group, will you make that covenant in the presence of your small group that for 40 days I'm covenanting with you that I'm pursuing developing my prayer life? Will you do that? I believe if you do, you're going to get to see God do some incredible things in your life. Let me pray for us. Father, we, we come right now as your people. Lord, I, I know that this hasn't been that kind of message that we challenge people to trust Jesus. But maybe you're in the room today and maybe you're online today and you really do want God to change your life. You really do want to, to grow in prayer because you want to pray for the very first time in a way that God hears and you know he hears. And so the starting point of developing any prayer life is Jesus because Prayer is just about engaging him personally. And so right where you're at, you can just go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want, I want to know you. I want to I grow to know you. I want to I know when you're speaking to me. I want to know what it's like to, to, to be able to pray, to ask of you, and confidently know that you're, you're listening, that you're hearing me. I want to grow in that kind of prayer where I'm not living filled with anxiety. I want to grow in that, that kind of prayer where I'll get to see healing happen in the lives of people that I love. I want to grow that way. Well, for you, the starting point is to trust Jesus with your whole life. And maybe you want to pray right now, dear Jesus, I'm committing it all. I really am signing on the dotted line. I am, I am signing a covenant with you, God. I'm putting my whole trust in you. I'm turning away from my sin. I'm turning away from doing it my way. And Jesus, I'm trusting you and you alone to make me right with God, to give me new life. And you can make that really your greatest prayer ever right now. Others of us just need to recommit 
maybe to one another. Maybe re- recommit to the covenant we made to be part of River Bluff Church. Maybe recommit to engaging God in prayer and in his word every day. Whatever decision that you need to make today is going to take you making some room in your life. Will you? Will you? Will you make room to grow in prayer? Will you make room for God's call on your life? Jesus, we come. We come now to worship you. And we come to answer that question. Will we make room? It's in your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to mask back up and stand with us as we worship God together in song and answer this question, will you make room? Whatever it takes, will you make that kind of room? Let's worship him together.
that song begs for us to answer is, do you believe that his way is better? Because uh, if you do believe that his way is better, then thinking about all the things that we talked about today, no brainer. You'll say, Jesus, I want in. I want in on what you're doing in this world. I, I want to experience you in all your fullness, in all your grace, in all your majesty, in all your might. Jesus, I want you. And I commit, I will make room. I'll make room for other people in my life. I'll get in a small group. I'll make room in my daily schedule for time with you and your word. I'll make room. That's my prayer for you this week. It's wherever God's calling you to make some room. Maybe it's with a neighbor. Maybe it's to share the gospel. So go in Jesus' name with his blessing in his peace, making room for him. And we'll see you next week. God bless you. If you're going to dive in in prayer, you're going to have to engage it together. Next way that we'll grow in prayer is when we expect to. I'm going to do this one really quickly. When we expect to. We grow in our lives when we expect to. And I call this the faith. This is just the faith factor. In Matthew chapter 9, God's word says this. Jesus said it. According to your faith, be it done to you. Over and over, we see in Jesus' life and ministry that he says that it's going to be done according to your faith. This blessing that you're needing is going to come based on where you're placing your faith. Who are you placing it in? Now, if you go into this 40-day journey expecting nothing or little to happen, guess what will happen? Nothing or little. That's what will come if you have no expectation. But if you step into this expecting God to do something in you, through you, maybe for you, God's go you're going to get to see God do something. In Mark chapter 9, Jesus said this. He said, all things are possible for him who believes. He spoke that to a man who says, I don't have a lot of belief. I got a little belief, but I don't have a lot of belief. Jesus said, all things are possible for even those who have just a little bit of belief. You don't have to have, be perfect at it. And so here's the plan of action for this one. You're going to have to trust God for your growth in prayer. You're just going to have to say, okay, I'm in. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, 40 days, I'm in. I'm, I'm going to be focused on this for 40 days. You, just, you trust in God and you'll get to see him begin to transform your prayer life. 
See, when you, when you look through Scripture, every time you see God moving in a miraculous way and doing something in somebody's life, there's been this connection to faith. You don't have to have great faith. You just need a little faith, a little trust in a big God to see God do something incredible. you got to trust him to grow in your prayer life. Here's the last thing. We'll grow in prayer when we commit to. When we just say, God, I'm expecting you, and I'm, I'm committing to it. See, growth, spiritual growth, is not automatic. You've you got to put forth some effort. Now, some people think, ah, works, works, there's works, there's the works gospel. Friends, grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. God is not opposed to you putting forth some effort to grow closer to him. That's that's not what this is about. This is not a works-based faith. But if you want to move closer to God, God is waiting. In Jeremiah chapter 29, God said this. He said, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. Did you see what you had to do? You had to call You had to come, you had to pray, then God hears. He says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me what? Wholeheartedly, with your whole heart. See, when we say to God, God, I just got to grow. I want to grow. I want to grow in my faith. I'm I'm sick and tired of being stuck. I hate being, you know, completely constantly manipulated by my moods I I hate being you know a people pleaser I hate being stuck in this addiction I hate I I hate the anxieties and the worries God I want to walk with you I want to hear you speaking to me God I want to be that man or woman of God that we read about when we got started in the book of Ephesians so what's the what's the plan of action here You, you need to make a public a public commitment. Now, you don't have to do it here right now, but you need to make a public commitment of covenant with God. You need to write something down. You can do this later on today. You need to write something down saying, God, I am, I am making a covenant with you that I'm going to take this 40-day journey. Some of you know about the book of Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah, most people think, is about uh, rebuilding the, the, the walls of Jerusalem after they had been torn down, after they had been, the people had been decimated and destroyed. The book of Nehemiah is not about building walls. The book of Nehemiah is about rebuilding God's people. And we get to the book of Nehemiah, and in chapter 9, verse 38, it says this, because of all of this, the, the, the whole nation, basically, the whole city of Jerusalem had gathered. And the people said this together. Because of all of this, we make a firm covenant in writing on the sealed document are the names of our princes, our Levites, and our priests. So here's what happened. The people of God said, I'm signing on the dotted line. And our leaders are signing up too. And so here's, here's the question, and here's the challenge. Here's, here's what I will, will just once again say. Will you make a covenant with God? Will you put it in writing, and then will you show that to three people? Will, will you go public with your covenant? I'm going to do this. If you're already in a small group, will you make that covenant in the presence of your small group that for 40 days, I'm covenanting with you 
that I'm pursuing developing my prayer life. Will you do that? I believe if you do, you're going to get to see God do some incredible things in your life. Let me pray for us. Father, we we come right now as your people. Lord, I, I know that this hasn't been that kind of message that we challenged people to trust Jesus. But maybe you're in the room today and maybe you're online today and you really do want God to change your life. You really do want to to grow in prayer because you want to pray for the very first time in a way that God hears and you know he hears. And so the starting point of developing any prayer life is Jesus because prayer is just about engaging him personally. And so right where you're at, you can just go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want, I want to know you. I want to, I want to grow to know you. I want to I want to know when you're speaking to me. I want to know what it's like to to, to be able to pray, to ask of you, and confidently know that you're you're listening, that you're hearing me. I, I want to grow in that kind of prayer where I'm not living filled with anxiety. I want to grow in that, that kind of prayer where I, I'll get to see healing happen in the lives of people that I love. I want to grow that way. Well, for you, the starting point is to trust Jesus with your whole life. And maybe you want to pray right now, dear Jesus, I'm committing it all. I really am signing on the dotted line. I am, I am signing a covenant with you, God. I'm putting my whole trust in you. I'm turning away from my sin. I'm turning away from doing it my way. And Jesus, I'm trusting you and you alone to make me right with God, to give me new life. And you can make that really your greatest prayer ever right now. Others of us just need to recommit maybe to one another. Maybe recommit to the covenant we made to be part of River Bluff Church. Maybe recommit to engaging God in prayer and in his word every day. Whatever decision that you need to make today, it's going to take you making some room in your life. Will you? Will you? Will you make room to grow in prayer? Will you make room for God's call on your life? Jesus, we come. We come now to worship you. And we come to answer that question. Will we make room? It's in your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to mask back up and stand with us as we worship God together in song and answer this question. Will you make room? Whatever it takes, will you make that kind of room? Let's worship him together.
song begs for us to answer is do you believe that his way is better because uh, if you do believe that his way is better then thinking about all the things that we talked about today no brainer you'll say Jesus I want in I want in on what you're doing in this world I, I want to experience you in all your fullness, in all your grace, in all your majesty, in all your might. Jesus, I want you. And I commit, I will make room. I'll make room for other people in my life. I'll get in a small group. I'll make room in my daily schedule for time with you and your word. I'll make room. That's my prayer for you this week. It's wherever God's calling you to make some room. Maybe it's with a neighbor. Maybe it's to share the gospel. So go in Jesus' name with his blessing in his peace, making room for him. And we'll see you next week. God bless you.